athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You're locked in to the dopest show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. We got a jam-packed show for you on today. So glad that you've joined us, as a matter of fact. Going to talk some NBA playoffs. Going to talk about the Heat and the Celtics. The Lakers and the Nuggets obviously underway. Game one taking place on Friday. You know, I'm still thinking about the L.A. Clippers collapse. Like the Clippers. And last week, I mentioned the fact that even though we didn't know what the outcome was going to be, ultimately that we were going to see a Lakers-Clippers Western Conference Finals. Like, I mean, I get it. Like, I don't, like, Denver's really, really good. You look at, you know, you look at the Joker. You look at Jamal Murray. You look at Harris. Like, there's some, that's a good team with some good pieces, a cohesive unit. The thing to me about Denver is Denver seemed at least during the regular season, and much like I thought about Utah, even though, listen, it's like Denver was right there. They were upper echelon, but nobody's talking about Denver. Like Denver snuck up on people, even though they really had a good team. And you were talking about them being in the upper echelon. I'm telling you what, Jamal Murray, by the way, the all NBA team came out. And I mean, I saw Ben Simmons on the all NBA team. I mean, I, you know, again, Two seasons, as far as I'm concerned, when you're talking about the bubble and you're talking about the pre-bubble. So in the bubble, wasn't Simmons hurt for the majority of the time in the bubble? He didn't, you know, and I, and I get it. It was, we already voted on it before the playoffs and all of that. I mean, he maybe and he may not have been hurt the majority of the time, but he was hurt and that's fine. And, it, and, 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 and he and Jamal Murray obviously played different positions but how in the world that Jamal Murray was not on any of the three all-NBA teams is a travesty. Now, like I always say, and even when we do like these box-to-row All-America teams, which we've been doing for so many years, if you want to have somebody on the team, you have to take someone off the team. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I would take Russell Westbrook off the team and put Jamal Murray on the team. It's a travesty. Again, I'm still thinking about how the Clippers lost with a three games to one lead. It's not that I'm sleeping on Denver. It's that the it's the Clippers who had a three to one lead. I could see if it, you know, was nip and tuck or maybe, you know, 2-0 and then it was tied 2-2. Three to one lead. That rarely ever happens. And I get it. We're in a bubble situation. You don't have 
you know, sort of the home court advantage. And it's really even for both teams. Perhaps that's something the Clippers feed off of. Can't make a bunch of excuses for the Clippers. At the end of the day, the Nuggets got it done, deserve to be very much underrated. And so, again, we're going to see what's going to happen with respect to the Western Conference Finals, which, again, game one already played on Friday. Joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row, as a matter of fact, in this segment, we're going to be joined by UNC head men's basketball coach Roy Williams. Roy Williams is going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Also joining us today here on the program, actor John David Washington going to join us on the program. He's a Morehouse graduate. Um, he's the, the film Tenant is in theaters now. It's it, it, He really is shooting up the ladder. Of course, the son of Denzel Washington. So we're going to talk with John David Washington today on the program. Also, I'm going to give my picks for week two in the NFL, week two picks in the NFL, did reasonably well on last weekend. By the way, congratulations to Ron Rivera and the Washington football team. Yeah, I'm a Washington football team fan, and the Washington football team came back from being down 17 to nothing to the Eagles to come back and win that football game, a great first win. So again, I'm going to have maybe a little bit more thoughts on that, but again, my predictions for week two of the National Football League. Your participation always warranted here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Hit us up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W, or you can hit me up on my personal Twitter account, at dware one at dware one Maybe you'll agree or disagree with some of my NFL picks, or on my personal Instagram account, at where Donald at where Donald thank you to all of the outstanding affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row those that listen to us on Sirius XM channel 142 and those that listen to us around the world at box let's continue here on from the press box to press row we're joined by a gentleman who has led the UNC Tar Heels to three, count them, three national championships in 2005, 2009, and 2017. He's a basketball Hall of Fame inductee in 2007, a college basketball Hall of Fame inductee in 2006. He's Roy Williams. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Williams, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. These are un- unusual times for all of us. It, it certainly are. They certainly are. There's no question about that. And that's where I wanted to kind of start. You know, how's your health? How's your family doing in this in, amongst or in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic? Well, it's it's been a difficult spring and summer. Uh, my uh, wife, Wanda, her parents are 96 and 89. And uh, uh, they need a little more attention than they ever have. And, uh, you know, worried about having somebody else around them and that kind of thing. So I've been splitting time uh, uh, early on in the uh, spring and late in the middle of the summer. I was spending four or five days up in the mountains and two or three down here. And then when they finally opened it up that we could go back to work, then I'm now I'm spending four or five days here in Chapel Hill and the other two or three up there. But uh, so far we've been very fortunate, and I'm 
knocking on wood, which means I'm hitting myself in the head right now. <laughs> but uh, uh, we hope that it uh, doesn't get any worse because it's uh, it has been a tough summer. No, no, there's no doubt about that. And you know, for you and your staff, can you speak to how you've been able to navigate, communicate with the players, particularly early on during uh, during COVID nineteen? Well, early on, you know, when the guys after the ACC tournament in mid. March was uh, canceled and everybody was sent home. Uh, we tried to do a Zoom call, and a year ago I didn't even know what the Dickens of Zoom was. Right. But uh, uh, we did a Zoom call about once a week, usually on Sunday night, uh, uh, with our entire team, and got the parents involved a little bit later when we got into the summer months before our guys came back. They came back July 5th, July 6th, and uh, have been here since. And uh, uh, but during that uh, May and June period, it was more Zoom calls than anything. Yeah. What what sort of preparation uh, for you, the Tar Heels, like as you, you know, try at least and prepare for a 2021 season? Well, it is. It's it's uh, uncomfortable because you don't know what's out there right now. It's really hectic. There's not so there's only so many things you can do. You can work with your team four hours a week and uh, uh, and that's it right now. And so. Uh, the things that we've been able to do in the past, we're not doing nearly as much because just concerned about everybody's health and getting everybody together. And uh, we have, uh, uh, since the guys came back to school, uh, we haven't done any five-on-five past two times in uh, early July, and then we even quit that. And so we have uh, haven't gone full court in anything, haven't gone five-on-five half court or full court, uh, just getting a lot of shooting in. And we needed some shooting the way we shot the ball last year. So <laughs> maybe that's going to be good in the long term. But we've been doing a lot of shooting. Yeah. You know, I mentioned all of the accolades in the open. But, I mean, you've done a lot of things in the community and off the court. And I want to speak specifically to your donation, the $600,000 you donated in scholarships to UNC student athletes. Can you speak to that? And what led you to do that? Well, Donnell, it's 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 something I wanted to keep private, to be honest with you. <laughs> it didn't didn't quite work out that way at the end, but it is. Uh, uh, we're the University of North Carolina, and I just hated the fact that we were thinking about not funding uh, the scholarships for those seniors who lost out their senior year of competition in the spring sports, and just didn't think it was right. I just wanted to make sure we took care of it, and the best way to get it taken care of was for. Wanda and I to do it, and she was on board immediately, and uh, I was hinting around about what I thought we should do, and she said, you want to do this? And I said, yes. And so it was uh, it was not just my decision. She was all in, and it's just I was thinking how destroyed I would have been uh, if I had been one of those student athletes that had lost my senior year, and in particular our women's tennis team, who was number one in the country, our women's lacrosse team, who was number one in the country, our men's lacrosse team, our men's tennis team were both in the top five. Baseball, I thought, was going to have a, a big run at the end. Uh, every every one of our spring sports, I just felt so badly for those kids. But uh, it was uh, it was a neat deal, and I'm glad we did it. And uh, now we can move on to something else. Sure. Hold the line for me one second, Coach Williams. We're talking with UNC head men's basketball coach Roy Williams here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're going to step aside, take a break, come back with more of our conversation with Coach Williams, plus still to come my predictions on Week 12 of the National Football League and actor John David Washington still to come. Let me take the time to remind you, NASCAR in action this Saturday, the third and final race of the round of 16 taking place. 
at Bristol Motor Speedway, the Bass Pro Shops Night Race, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC Sports Network. Back with UNC head men's basketball coach Roy Williams after this. Hey, Mommy, what you doing? Just doing some online shopping. Great. While you're at it, can you order an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I ate the entire bag, and I was hoping you could help me replace it before he notices. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. Purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online right now at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. Or call them toll-free, 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company, uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. We track down the names making news in sports. From the Press Box to Press Row. It's Donald Ware. From the Press Box to Press Row. Roy Williams is the head men's basketball coach at UNC. Joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Williams, I want to get your thoughts on an, uh, the possibility of an all-inclusive NCAA tournament in 21? Well, you know, the ACC coaches, we put that out just as a proposal for get people thinking about basketball because, you know, we're already playing football and we're still not talking about basketball. And so uh, it was an idea that uh, I don't think is a bad idea. I think it'd be a great celebration uh, for college basketball. And uh, uh, we put it out there and, you know, some people really like it, some people don't, and, and that's okay. That's the reason you propose things is to get feedback. But uh, I, I personally think it'd be a great, great celebration. Uh, all of a sudden, at the end of the season, teams that have never been in the NCAA tournament, they get a chance to play, and you never know what could happen. But uh, uh, the NCAA people sort of shot it down pretty quickly. But uh, well, right now, we still don't know what we're going to have, but uh, we'll find out hopefully soon. Yeah. No, as mentioned, 2020 – uh, has been uh, extremely tough. couple of uh, people I want to ask you about. Let me start with former Georgetown coach uh, John Thompson. Can you speak to his legacy and who he was to you? 
Well, Coach Thompson, uh, I've never called him John in my entire life, just like I never called Coach Smith Dean, and that uh, I would never do it, and I still won't ever do it. But uh, uh, sometimes I would refer to him as Big Big John because Little John or John the Third would be standing there with him, kind of thing. But uh, he was a great mentor of mine, a personal friend of mine, a guy that I really enjoyed. A uh, guy that even called me last year during the season and said, "Stop beating yourself up too much." And uh, you know, he's a guy that cared about me. He was really, really close with Coach Smith. Uh, that friendship was one of the most genuine things you can ever have, and something that uh, I admired. Uh, but Coach Thompson was uh, a guy that my first or second year at Kansas, I went and watched some practices. I went back to Georgetown and watched them practice and sat with him after the practice and loved visiting with him. Uh, we'd sit together sometimes on the road and watch games. Uh, uh, just enjoyed him immensely. But he was a leader, and he was fantastic on the court, fantastic with his kids and he was far better off the court. He was one of the leaders in not only just the coaching profession, but uh, a leader that every guy or girl uh, that were in charge uh, or in a position of uh, control or con- uh, of young kids, he was, he was one of those guys that uh, you could always learn from. I admired what he did so many times in his career, and it was something to me that uh, – uh, as I say, he was so big on the court, but he was far bigger off the court in what he did for those kids, and I loved that part of it. Yeah, well said. And then, of course, the passing of Gene Budick, who you have said uh, there would not be a Roy Williams as we know Roy Williams had it not been for Gene Budick. Well, Chancellor Budick was the chancellor of Kansas, as you know, when they hired me as the head coach. And uh uh, Coach Smith and Coach Harp here. Coach Harp was one of our assistants. They still had great ties at Kansas, and if it hadn't been for their influence and those people at Kansas, it, I wouldn't have even had a chance. Uh, but Chancellor Beauty allowed Bob Frederick to make the decision and didn't second-guess him about hiring a uh, no-name assistant coach who had never been a head coach on the college level. And uh, uh, he trusted Coach, I mean, Bob, Bob Frederick, the athletic director, and trusted me and gave me a chance. And uh, a lot of uh, chancellors in that position would not have done that, particularly when so many people were clamoring to, we have to get a head coach, we have to get somebody. You know, this is the University of Kansas. And it was not uh, greatly accepted, to say the least, but they gave me a chance. And the biggest group that gave me a chance were the players. They trusted what I said from the first day, and and we did okay, and it ended up being a great 15-year run. Yeah, no, I think you did a little bit, a little bit better than okay at Kansas. But <laughs> what, what were those? You know, what do you remember most about those days at Kansas? Well, at the start, you know, I'd never even been on their campus until the night they offered me the job. I'd never seen the arena, never been on campus, and I'd heard Coach Smith and Coach Harp talk about Kansas and the history and tradition was there, and it was very similar to North Carolina, the love of uh, basketball, and it was a passion with those people, and Allen Fieldhouse was the greatest home court advantage I've ever seen. So uh, people ask me what I miss about Kansas. I say, number one, my friends, because I have great friends there. But number two is Allen Fieldhouse, because, gosh, it was hard for another team to come in there and beat us in the in the Fieldhouse. Yep. Roy Williams, the head men's basketball coach at UNC, joins us here on the program. The UNC basketball came up with a very powerful Black Lives Matter video. It, you know, it, it sort of reminded me of sort of your open, the open video you have, you all have before basketball games. Speak to how that came together and the importance of it. 
Well, you know, these are tough times, and these are times which uh, you have to show the young men that you understand what's going on and you feel for them and you feel for the African-American population and the police brutality and the racial injustice issues. And it's something that I've felt very strongly about for many, many years. And, you know, people were coming out and saying things, and we were trying to get a video for the entire ACC head coaches to say some things and decided that I wanted to do one here. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, one night I said, hey, and this is what I want to do. And I uh, threw it out to my staff about doing a video, but not just getting, you know, five or ten guys. I wanted to get somebody from every national championship team that we had had. And I thought that was uh, one way so you could make that choice. Uh, somebody can't say, well, why didn't you ask me? I would have done it. And I said, yeah, but you didn't win a national championship. So it took a little of the pressure off me of choosing. But every player that I asked, and I think they were 20, yes, no coach, yes, I'm in, whatever you want me to do. And you love that. And, and I think, you know, I just did the opening, but uh, uh, everybody was so involved and so eager to be involved I thought it was a powerful message and you know it's more powerful the people who are North Carolina fans to say the least because they're going to watch it and listen to what's said and appreciate those individuals but I think it's something that we need to continue doing we need to continue uh, focusing on the problems that we have there and not just make a statement and back up and never do anything else so I'm hopeful that uh, uh, we've we've got a long way to go, but I'm hopeful we'll keep making uh, making adjustments and making moves and do things the right way. Sure. A couple of last thoughts with Roy Williams here on the program. Coach Williams, can you speak about Dean Smith and in the role that he played in your life? Well, Coach Smith, to me, was uh, the best I've ever seen on the court, and he was far, far better off the court, just like I said about John Thompson. Uh, but for me, I was a freshman here and played on the freshman team. wasn't good enough to keep playing after that, but I loved the game and knew that I wanted to coach, And uh, but I needed to go work. So I had a job basically the rest of my college career after I stopped playing basketball my freshman year. I worked 24 hours every week, and so I would always find time to sneak in the gym and be sit up there and take notes from practice. Coach Smith allowed me to do that. Uh, the practices were closed, and the security guards would run everybody else out, but uh, they allowed me to stay there because Coach Smith said okay. And then later on I started uh, uh, keeping the points per possession chart for him and uh, worked their camp as a high school coach. And I'm sure the fact that I had Coach Smith down as a reference and Coach Guthrie's down as a reference helped me uh, uh, get a good job. And uh, so after five years uh, he asked me to come back and uh, uh, be their part-time assistant, which, as he put it very correctly, full-time job, part-time pay. Uh, <laughs> but we survived. We were able to eat, and that's all that I cared about. But uh, he was, uh, it was and is still the most influential uh, person in my life when it comes to basketball and really just how you work and deal with people and how you interact because I just think that uh, he was so good there. But 80% of the things I do – on the basketball court, I got directly from Coach Smith. Yeah. And then, of course, the, the, the document, uh, documentary, The Last Dance, you recruited, you know, Michael Jordan. What did you see in him at that time, and did you believe he was going to be as great as he ultimately became? I don't think anybody saw what he was going to do. We all thought, Coach Guthrie's Coach Fogler, myself, and Coach Smith, we all thought he'd be a great pro, but uh, he just kept getting better, and he kept getting hungrier. 
and he would succeed and that would make him hungrier for something else and he would work even harder and he was blessed with great uh, uh, skills and instincts about the game but uh, he worked at it and that's what I saw even here his freshman year yes he made the last shot to beat Georgetown in the national championship game but he was also the defensive player of the game and that's the first time he won it all year but he kept getting better and better. And in his sophomore and junior year, he won it over half the time probably because he did play both ends of the court, and he continued doing that in the NBA. But the thing to me was about Michael. Michael's focus was better than anybody. His desire was better than anybody. His work ethic was better than anybody. And, yes, he was he was gifted, and when you put all that together, uh, it's fantastic. But uh, he he had the best focus, the best instincts, uh, mentally played the game better than anybody I've ever seen. Last two thoughts. What's your relationship with the coach that uh, is 10.7 miles uh, up the road from you, Coach K? You guys are fierce competitors on the court, but seem to have off the court a genuine respect for each other. Well, I, I do. There's no question that I respect uh, Mike and what he's done so much. It's uh, it's incredible what he's done, and uh, I feel very flattered to be part of the greatest rivalry in college sports, I think. Uh, but, you know, we, we're on committees together. We've been on committees together from the NABC for 25 years, and uh, we have a great uh, uh, awareness of what we think is best, and so many times it's the same thing. We've been so close on our ideas about what's going on in college basketball or college athletics, but I appreciate him. I appreciate how much he works for college basketball, and there's a great deal, I said, great deal of respect there. No question. Last thought. What does it mean to you, You're, I mean, to be the – Head coach at your alma mater, three national championships, started out as an, in essence, started out as an assistant, went away, had a lot of success at Kansas, and then to come back to have the success at UNC and again winning three national championships. Well, I feel very lucky and I uh, feel like I've been blessed with uh, some players who have played incredibly well for us and stayed incredibly focused uh, in some uh, fantastic runs down to. Uh, five Final Fours, and you said three national championships, but I do. I feel incredibly lucky, and every day I feel that way, and every day I try to make sure that I don't uh, cheat this university by not working and doing everything I'm supposed to do, and uh, I guess I still coach out of fear, fear of failure or, or whatever, but it's it's something that I do feel like I'm a lucky person. Again, three national championships, basketball Hall of Fame inductee, college basketball Hall of Fame inductee. He is Roy Williams. Joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Williams, really appreciate you doing this. Uh, Good luck to you and the Tar Heels uh, for the 21 season. Well, I appreciate it a great deal, and thanks so much for having me, and stay healthy. You too, Coach Williams. My NFL predictions for week two after this small pause for the cause. This is From the Press Box to Press Row. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me, play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Snoop, you football league has done so many wonders. we got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown in Division One. That the voice 
of Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K, what was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to, to the car and I was driving it in the first eight games and you know, being a part of something special like that and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Even joining us here on the program, even when you think back to when you first came out and what y'all really want with Rough Riders, what most comes to your mind? So many things. You know, everything was new for me then. Just being in the business. I remember just being excited to be there. And he's a graduate, as a matter of fact, of Winston-Salem State University. He is Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all the things y'all have done. Congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Winston-Salem State, I had an absolute ball. The only part that was bad uh, with the basketball because my first year there, I cracked my kneecap in half. If I had one thing that I could do over, it would be that I would be there 100% healthy so I could really showcase what I could do. But outside of that, there's absolutely nothing that I would have changed. It was the greatest years of my life. Joined by Kevin Hart. Right now, I'm on cloud nine. This is the time where I'm in demand, so you make the best of it. You take great projects, you get behind them, and you put them out. And the goal is to keep them coming. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm trying to become a brand. So that's making sure that you're in control of your destiny. And right now, I am. Heavyweight champion of the world, he is Deontay Wilder. We're finally here. It's been a long journey for us. We took the long road, but now everything is speaking up we're we're here now so let's go baby america group go to your next heavyweight champ of the world i am here i have arrived and i'm not going nowhere so come on board let's show me some love america and i am the heavyweight champ of the world deontay wilder baby i love y'all guys and peace god bless ice cube has been our guest hey man thanks for letting me talk a little music uh, movies and sports hey my favorite three topics ron rivera the head coach of the carolina panthers you know a great player did you see yourself as a coach you know it's interesting I've been told a lot of times by a lot of people, boy, you know, you're kind of like a coach on the field. I always felt at some point, yeah, I'd probably get into coaching. It all started because of my son wanting to play football, and I've always told him that if he ever played, I would want to coach and be there. On CNN Newsroom with Brooke Baldwin. Brooke, i got to ask you about your Tar Heels. They won the national championship. I Listen, I am a loyal Tar Heel doll. Let me just tell you that I get into fights every year with my some of my, my friends on my, on my CNN show team because they know I fill out a bracket. And they know every year I'm going to put USC as the winner, even though, let's be honest, we don't always, uh, not always the number one seed going into, into the dance. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. Hello, I'm Josh Stone, and I'm here chatting to Donald on Thunder Press Box to Press Roll. That the voice of Ronda Rousey. I was trained for a fight, and I always have like a show that I watch because I can't really move when I'm in training camp because I'm so sore. I, I ran out of Big Bang Theory uh, shows to watch. <laughs> and if, if, you're, if someone's trying to beat you up all day, you want to watch something lighthearted at the end of the day. And all the really, all the best shows out were like so stressful and like kind of downers. That the voice, of course, of T.I. It's some hard times down in the ATL though, T.I. Yeah, and that is understood. It wouldn't be the first. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first nor the worst. But, you know, you got to stay down with the home team, though, you know? No, nah, no question. I'm, I'm still I'm still down with the skins, man. What can I say? They're they're not doing too well right now. Well, like... <laughs> you know what I mean? We got to... Hey, 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 look, man. We got we to gotta hold it down so we, can, so we can get it back right again. <laughs> Matt Kemp with the L.A. Dodgers. What does it mean to you to wear that Dodger blue? 
as the great and legendary Jackie Robinson helped to pave the way so that you could play Major League Baseball? Definitely means a lot. I'm around some of the guys that play with him, like Don Newcomb, who is one of my best friends in the whole wide world. You know, I'm a very lucky person. Didn't have to uh, go through those same struggles as they did. They definitely paved the way for us. Janelle Monae joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Box. That's where I started and began my independent career uh, as an artist. And I lived in a boarding house in the AU Center, you know, with Spellman, Morehouse, Clark, Atlanta, all those great uh, historically black colleges and I would sell my independent work out of my boarding house for like five dollars and you know that's how I kind of got my name. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for They support us in everything we do. You know it's a joy to you know go to work and and know that you're going to be uh, you know they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. From the press box to press row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real, relevant, radio. Let's talk some National Football League here on From the Press Box to Press Row, that time in the program where I give my predictions for the games upcoming on Sunday, week two of the National Football League. I mean, I got to say, did pretty well last week in terms of the predictions I was so when I was watching the Washington football team game against the Eagles. And of course, I'm a big Washington football team fan. You know, I was like, man, this looks like the same team in the first half. This looks like the same team from last year. But the one thing that I knew is that they had a very strong defensive line, which proved in the second half, the defense as a whole came to life. The secondary much better than in the first half. And then even Dwayne Haskins, he he still has some accuracy issues, but I think ultimately he's going to be good. It's going to be a real good, strong arm, really, really strong arm. Once he and Terry McLaurin really get going, some of those other receivers, I think the sky is the limit. I, I Even though the, the Washington football team didn't run the ball particularly well, they, I think they've got some really good running backs So I like this team. Boy, I tell you what, Chase Young is going to be really, really good. What a game he had. As a matter of fact, it's going to make Ryan Kerrigan, I think, even better, where Chase Young's the starter. Kerrigan's behind him. Kerrigan wanted to come back. He's now the Washington football team all-time leading sack leader. So Rams at the Eagles. I would have said early on that perhaps the Eagles could bounce back in this game, but I think the Eagles – have way too many injuries. They're injured. They were injured coming into the Washington game. Too many injuries as it stands right now. I think if you look at the Rams coming off a big win against the Cowboys, who again I think are going to win the NFC East. However, you look at the Rams against the Cowboys, especially from an offensive standpoint, like didn't really wow you. Jared Goff again struggled last year. Didn't necessarily wow me in the game against the Cowboys. But the Rams able to, to do enough to win the game against the Cowboys, a solid Sunday night football game. Defensively, I thought where the Rams shine, particularly Jalen Ramsey, who just signed that long-term deal, really made his mark big play towards the end of that football game. Eagles, too many injuries. I like the Rams in the game. The Bears are hosting the Giants. Again, the Bears coming off. A win. Meanwhile, the Giants coming off the loss 
to the Steelers. Mitchell Trubisky, give him a little bit of credit. Like he was, if you look at the numbers, 20 of 36, uh, three touchdown passes in the game, no interceptions. Again, ultimately, the Bears able to beat the Lions. I want to see, I, I don't think the last couple of years, ever since Nagy has been there, I don't think the, the Bears have used Tariq Cohen to his fullest capabilities. Want to see Tariq touch the football a little bit more. Saquon Barkley's got to give you more than six yards rushing, but that offensive line isn't that great. Daniel Jones, two touchdowns, two interceptions in the loss. Again, a second-year quarterback. I definitely like the Bears at home. Steelers and the Broncos. Ben, Ben, uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger looked pretty good in his first outing. A couple of touchdowns, no interceptions, a high completion percentage. Got a great running game or had some good running from the Steelers as a whole. And again, they were playing uh, the Giants, but still the Steelers looked good. The Broncos, sort of a heartbreaking loss against the Titans, who ultimately eked it out on a field goal. Uh, again, when I think about the Broncos, like the Broncos going back again to 2015, Super Bowl participants won the Super Bowl, just needed a quarterback after Manning to keep things going, and they just haven't been able to get this thing right. Uh, but again, the Broncos showed me a little something against the Titans, but ultimately I like the Steelers at home. The Titans are hosting the Jaguars. Ryan Tannehill signing that long-term deal looked good. Uh, it looked good in the opener last week. Again, a Titans victory over the Broncos. Again, the Jaguars are just in disarray right now. Uh, Derrick Henry had to carry the ball 31 times to get that 116 yards, less than four yards per carry. But, I mean, the Titans are definitely not going to lose to the Jaguars. I have Tennessee in this game. Falcons at the Cowboys definitely like the uh, I like the Cowboys in this game. I think the Cowboys bounce back from a tough loss against the Rams. Ultimately, the Falcons, I mean, they played a tough Seahawks team, lost that game. The Cowboys are going to bounce back in this game. And the out, I mean, listen, Dallas cannot afford to go 0 2. And I think the Cowboys ultimately bounce back. The game is in Dallas. And I have the Cowboys winning that game. The Buccaneers and the Panthers. Boy, you talk about a. A, a an inauspicious start to Tom Brady's Tampa Bay career. Give the Buccaneers a lot of credit, able to come back, make it a closer game for a while there against the Saints when it looked like the Saints were going to run away with that game. Brady had a, a two interceptions and a pick six. Only one game. Everybody slow down. It's just one game. I think Brady ultimately rebounds. NFC South matchup where the Panthers give the Panthers credit. I think this is a again a rebuilding season. You know Teddy Bridgewater, uh, McCaffrey, but I think ultimately the Packers, the, um, excuse me, the Buccaneers get that first win of the season. The 49ers going to be in New York taking on the Jets. The Jets are absolutely a mess right now. Sam Darn, like I keep hearing the talk about Sam Darnold. Like I didn't see. Where he was that, I mean, even from a potential standpoint, like I didn't watch the Jets every week, but I was never really impressed by Sam Darnold. I still hear the talk about how good he, uh, the ability of, or how good he could be, but the Jets are bad right now. The 49ers, I think, ultimately going to bounce back. That loss to the Cardinals, a tough loss, but it's an improved Cardinals team ultimately, so not a surprise. And that was an NFC West game. I think the 49ers, 
beat the Jets, who have some serious issues right now. Taking a look at the Lions and the Packers. Listen, I, I give the Lions some credit because, remember, I, I mean, if you if you heard me last week, I'm like, I'm thinking even though Chicago doesn't really have the quarterback issue situated per se, like the Lions are just a bad organization right now. The Lions had a big lead. Bears ultimately came back, won that game, and to the point, the Lions with an opportunity to win that game late, a drop pass, ultimately couldn't get it done. Um, the Packers, uh, listen, Aaron Rodgers, big game. Packers, big first win against the Vikings. And if I think I may have even picked the Vikings last week, but I like the Packers at home against the Lions. Miami hosting Buffalo. This is an, a, a division matchup. And listen, to me, Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably, at least in my opinion, he's the premier backup quarterback. He'll come in the game. He'll get you a win. If he, if if your starter's out, he has to start the next game. He'll, he'll come in and play well and can get you a win. The problem is when Ryan Fitzpatrick becomes the starting quarterback. That has been an issue, really, if you look at throughout the course of his career. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick has mostly been a backup quarterback. While the Bills uh, played the Jets, and the Jets aren't that good. Again, this is another division game. I like Allen, at quarterback, thought he had a great, uh, a really good game and also was good in terms of with his legs as well. I like the Bills on the road against the Dolphins, the Colts, and the Vikings. Wow. I tell you what, uh, the, the, the Colts look good to start, ultimately lost that football game. Phillip Rivers had a lot of interceptions on last year. And, you know, one of those interceptions, I can't remember which one, uh, last Sunday, just inexplicable. I tell you what, the Vikings scored a lot of points. I still don't have any faith in Kirk Cousins, but I think ultimately this is a good Vikings team. And I think we're the the Vikings. And, 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 and again, they gave up a bunch of points against the Packers. I think they're going to get the defense right. And I ultimately like the Vikings on the road against the Colts. Washington is going to be at. Arizona. This is an intriguing matchup. You have a good, again, a good defensive line that the Washington football team has. But then you got a Kyler Murray who was really, really good against the 49ers last week. And then you, when you already have Murray who's trying to emerge, you know, in his second year at quarterback, you add a DeAndre Hopkins to that mix at wide receiver. And still, I think the jury is out secondary-wise, as it relates to Washington, I think where Washington can have some success is uh, against the Cardinals' defense. I think Washington can definitely have some success. And just like just like I tell you, like I'm not going to pick against the Washington, the, the, the uh, Washington football team. I have uh, Washington over Arizona on the road. The Ravens and the Texans. Boy, a a first game for the Texans that was very, very tough. Meanwhile, when you look at the Ravens, the MVP Lamar Jackson was splendid against the Browns, 275 yards passing. He also had, what, the three touchdowns 
and then rushed for another 45 yards. And again, I realized the Browns are really, <laughs> the Browns are really, really bad uh, right now. Uh, but still, ultimately, I like the Ravens in this football game. I think that certainly, uh, I still think the Texans have some questions to answer. <laughs> Getting, letting DeAndre Hopkins go was a huge mistake, and we saw that last Thursday night. The Chargers and the Chiefs, good win by the Chargers. Good win by the Chargers on Sunday. I just don't think the Chargers have enough firepower. Patrick Mahomes uh, looking in midseason form in the Chiefs' victory uh, over uh, last Thursday night to open up the season against the Texans. Uh, that's a really good offense and a, a solid defense for the Chiefs. And look, I'm picking mostly teams on the road. I got the Chiefs on the road against the Chargers. Seahawks are hosting the Patriots. Cam Cam looked good. Like Cam looked good in that opener, right? He looked good in that opener. Um, uh, but uh, for the Patriots, um, I just think, man, the Seahawks are so good. Like Russell Wilson is playing unbelievably. Like he's picked up, picked up where he left off on last year. One of the more we we talk about all of these young quarterbacks, and we talk about Patrick Mahomes, and we talk about Lamar Jackson, and you know we talk about Deshaun Watson and all of these guys in a lot of who gets and you talk about, you know, more the veteran quarterbacks, the Aaron Rodgers, the Drew Breeses, the Tom Brady's who gets lost in the conversation is Russell Wilson, who's really, really good. I mean, I think this is a Seahawks team ultimately that has an opportunity to go back to the Super Bowl this year. I got the Seahawks at home against the Patriots. Finally, the Monday night game, the Raiders are going to be hosting the Saints. And the Saints able to, to eke that game out last week. Uh, not eke it out. I mean, they they beat, you know, they beat Tampa Bay uh, like they should. But I'll tell you what, the Raiders are decent. And, um, but ultimately, I mean, I think I have to go with the Saints on the road. I think the Saints have a little bit too much really for, uh, for what the uh, Raiders have to bring to the table. Um, and they had to hold on. Uh, to beat the Panthers. Actually, I think they had to sort of, they had to hold on. I think the Panthers may have even gone up in that football game, ultimately had to hold on. Uh, but I like the Saints on the road against the Las Vegas Raiders. Your thoughts on my predictions for week two of the National Football League? Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, or on Facebook, B O X, the number two. R-O-W. Up next here on the program, we're going to be joined by a young man whose father is one of the most famous actors in the world, and he's making a name for himself. Find out who I'm talking to next. Box to Road. Box to Road.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the game of the week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports. Box to Road.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? Box to Road.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All American teams and weekly media coaches' bowls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And Box to Row.com. Your HBCU sports leader. Mo stars, mo names in the news, just mo sports with Donald Ware. 
from the press box to press row. Let's continue here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman, as a matter of fact, who is one of the stars of the new film, Tenet, which is in theaters now. You probably know Golden Globe and Screen Actor Guild's award. He's an alum of Morehouse. He is John David Washington. Joins us here on Box to Row. John, welcome to the program. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that intro too. That was that was dope. <laughs> I, I appreciate it, but you know the obvious question: Tenet is out right now in theaters now, and the obvious question is, what do you remember most about your days at Morehouse College? Um, fried chicken Wednesdays with the hot sauce. <laughs> hey, we know about that, right? <laughs> um, what also blew my mind was when Spelman's Fried Chicken Day. They had better fried chicken than we did, so their cafeteria was just hidden. So I used to love like like fried chicken Wednesdays. It was the best. Wow, that's that's awesome. I, yeah, no, that, that's awesome. And I mean, you were a like you were. A, listen, I mean, I think we throw the word great around a lot, especially when we're talking about sports. But you were a great football player at Morehouse. As a matter of fact, once you left, you were the. Oh, I think I think uh, your record was broken by a young man yeah. a couple of years ago. Uh, David, his name escapes me. He's really, really good. But you were the all-time leading rusher and still, I believe, hold the record for the most yards uh, in a game for Morehouse. What about those playing days uh, with the Maroon Tigers? Well, I used to love those days. Um, you know, coming from, I went to a, a private school in the Valley. Uh, when we scored a touchdown, there was a rock band that played for us. So, like, graduating to Morehouse when there was a full-on marching band, uh, like that, like you saw in the Nick Cannon movie, it was just life change. It was game changing, and to experience even the halftime celebrations of that they, the Battle of the Bands, which uh, got the the people really riled up, was really cool. So that entire all the, the entire HBCU culture really is embodied at those games, especially the homecoming uh, events. So I used to love that. I'll never forget those moments. Yeah, and you know, you you obviously got your opportunity with the uh, St. Louis Rams, who were the St. Louis Rams at that time, and then ultimately uh, playing professional football before you really got immersed into acting. But with that, like, there's been this push for more HBC or for more uh, high school kids to attend HBCUs. I think it's been more so in basketball, but I've had several conversations in terms of football. What do we need to do? Like, like you're the, uh, the, you embody the fact that you can go to an HBCU and still have success uh, in college and in, in in athletics and uh, at the pro level and beyond. Yeah, I think uh, I think just the exposure. I think uh, if they can work some TV deals out, get it get get um, get it more accessible, see these games, and especially let the people. You know, it's interesting uh, thinking about the Beyonce um, concert that was on Netflix. Um, she, you know, that was the HBCU experience. A lot of she brought that to the mainstream. So I think, um, you know, and, and the world responded positively towards it. So I think there's a way to do it. I just think that we have to find a way to expose them, whether it be through ESPN, TNT, Fine Turner, which is right in Atlanta, to expose the people to uh, to the culture and, and what it's like to be at a homecoming game. I believe her, uh, her, her thing was homecoming. It was called homecoming. I mean, that's all about the HBCU experience. So there is a way, and I think uh, the more we can show that, showcase it, the more people will be enticed. Because a lot of people, especially on the West Coast, they don't even know about these historically black colleges and what a halftime show is. John David Washington, star of the film Tenet in theaters now, joins us here on Box to Row. So talk to us a little bit, John, about the movie Tenet. Man, it, it, it's it's super awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, 
Well, just uh, an opportunity of a lifetime, really, uh, to be able to 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 come alongside, be, uh, to come on board, uh, being asked by the great, legendary Christopher Nolan. Um, you know, it's a, it, it it checks the boxes of a spy, globe-trotting spy thriller, action thriller. Um, but it's Christopher Nolan, so there's uh, there's elements of sci-fi, um, drama, and and it's just a unique story, and only one only that can be told by Christopher Nolan. It's an epic film. It's an event film. The perfect uh, movie to go back to the theaters for. No question. Talk to us a little bit about your uh, specific role in Tenet. Well, I play the protagonist, and um, he's he's dropped into. We find him uh, on a mission. He's a he's an operative, and uh, he's trying to retrieve something. And we find out uh, we find out that it's more than what he bargained for. And then he and he's exposed to an organization, the tenant organization. And as we follow the character, we see uh, what's at stake the uh, the world well, when it when dealing with the world of inversion and and the uh, the secret identities of tenants. What for you? It's interesting. You mentioned that Christopher Nolan handpicked you, and you know, obviously, know him from a lot of films. What did that mean to you? What was you all's first interaction? Well, the first time we we interacted, we had a conversation uh, in his office for about two and a half hours. It was great. I just felt like if whatever happens, I never, I didn't feel like a um, like a job interview to me. It felt more like. You know, just felt very conversational. He's just a, a down-to-earth dude, which was a, was a, was exciting to know that. Um, you know, when I left that meeting, I just thought, well, hey, you know, I had a two-and-a-half-hour conversation with Christopher Nolan. Nobody could ever take that away from me. So when I got the job, when he said he wants me to be in his film, obviously that was great. And when he told me what he wanted me, to, what my position was in the film, it felt like a first-round draft pick. You know, experience <laughs> that I didn't have coming at Morehouse into the NFL. So um, I was, I was. It was the happiest moment of, I, that I can remember. It was great. Oh man, that is awesome. John David Washington joins us here on the program. For you, you've done a lot throughout the course of your career. I want to talk more with you about Ballers and Black Klansmen. Obviously nominated for a Golden Globe and Screen uh, Actors Guild Award. Because because Denzel Washington is your father. Early on, at least in your acting career. Did you feel, you know, some some sort of pressure because of who your father is? That kind of pressure I had been I was sort of used to. I was I was familiar with that kind of pressure in the whole of the industry. As I was becoming more successful on the football field, the headlines would always be Denzel Washington's son even before that my name would would appear. Right. So, um, you know, when I realized when I when I wanted to be act because I wanted to do it my whole life, I I did know that if I can even be half as good as I was in football, uh, that's definitely going to be the headline because we're now in the same industry. So, uh, you know, working with my publicist and the whole team, we we knew the the less is more as far as the early on stages of you know doing you know um, different kinds of press and getting myself out there and in that way. I wanted the work to speak for itself. I didn't want people to know. I just wanted people to. I see how people reacted to the to the work and. Um, as people were doing it, they didn't ever react to the work like ballers. They had no idea that we were related. And uh, that felt really good, just personally, just almost selfishly. That's what I wanted. Yeah. What's the best advice he's given you from an acting perspective? Um, he's given me a, a lot of different advice. He, he's always moving forward. You know, as people ask him what is his favorite movie, he says the next one. And like football, you know, if you had a great game last week, it doesn't matter because this week is the new week and we got a new opponent. If you had a great season last season, that has nothing to do with this season. 
So to continue to grow and to continue to do more, to push yourself and uh, and uh, you know expand your um, your abilities, you know, to always work on your craft is what he's been teaching me. Couple of more thoughts with actor John David Washington. The film Tenet, which he stars in, is in theaters now. Ballers, I mean, like that was sort of I, I, you know sort of your breakout deal on for what four or five seasons or so. Um, what about that? And, and um, what do you remember most about um, your time on the set of Ballers? Um, I loved Miami. I can film in Miami all day, every day. Um, <laughs> good, clean family fun. You know, nothing but good uh, restaurants in bed by ten o'clock. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and then. You know, Black Klansman, like, you know, we t- we had Spike on maybe a couple of months ago. He won the, you know, the Best Director Award for that. As I mentioned, you had a couple of, of, of nominations. How, how important was that film to you? Oh, it, it meant everything. You know, he, he we people of color have been in, in, in this industry have been standing on the shoulders for a very long time. He's been on the front lines, really, since uh, since the 80s. So uh, he hasn't, in my, in my honest and humble opinion, hasn't gotten his proper due respect. And uh, he finally got that trophy. That's been long overdue. Um, he was very excited about it. And the fact that I was able to be a part of that, um, I will cherish forever. Was Steven Jackson on that St. Louis team? I know he's up for the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, this year. Was he on that team when you were with St. Louis? Yeah, he's like a brother of mine. Uh, he was on that team, and he actually really – Hated me and assisted me in uh, how to be a professional. I love him to death. Absolutely. Well, check out the film Tenet. John David Washington is the star. You can follow him on Instagram at John David Washington as he joins us here on Box to Row. John, really appreciate the time. Continued success in all you do. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. John David Washington joining us here on the program. The young man from Morehouse, the running back, his name was escaping me, was... It was David Carter. As a matter of fact, a former box to row All-American, a phenomenal, phenomenal running back. As a matter of fact, he had 200 and some yards rushing in the first half in a game, which was a Division II record. David Carter breaking, of course, John David Washington's record. Great running back at Morehouse. You know, he reminded me in terms of the conversation and in the way that he spoke reminded me a lot of Chadwick Bozeman. Didn't have a chance to talk with him about Chadwick Bozeman. It, it's a certain amount of time that that we had with him, but a lot he, he reminded me a lot of Chadwick Bozeman. Before we get out of here on from the press box to press row, this may be the Miami Heat year to win it all. You look at this team, it plays outstanding defense, well coached, solid players, Dragic Obviously, Jimmy Butler, Adebayo's playing out of his mind. Crowder, you got veterans, you got role players. This is a really, really good team. Thank you to UNC head men's basketball coach Roy Williams for joining us today here on the program. A housekeeping note before we get out of here. Box to Row with the Radio Boss, hosted by yours truly, a new time. Sirius XM Channel 141, now Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. Central Time, talking sports, entertainment, and other stuff. Invite you to check it out. More information can be found on the website at radio-boss.com. 
Now hear this, now hear this. HBCU Sports's Ken Rashad was the first to report that Deion Sanders was going to be the new head football coach at Jackson State. I have a source that tells me that is in fact the case, a very reliable source that says that is in fact the case and that there will be an introductory press conference on Monday. And yes, that Deion Sanders will be the new head football coach at Jackson State. We'll have more on this on next week's From the Press Box to Press Row. Encouraging you to vote, vote in the election on November the 3rd. And until next week, always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. Like a hammer on the block The love began to rock Give the sister love and pride